Surely the presence of God is in this place. The love of God is in this place. The light of God is in this place. So as we go into this prayer, with a mind at peace, with the senses calm, with a heart open for love, we go in with the thought that God alone is power. God is life, love, light. God is the presence, the consciousness. God is beauty, truth. As we understand that we are the divine, made in the divine image of God. We are the power. We are light. We are truth and beauty. And we come in with the realization that we could demonstrate anything we want as long as we're in the kingdom of God. As long as we recognize that God is the activity of our being. That God is the spirit of our being. That God is the one source, the one power. That God is the substance, the activity. The love, joy, peace, happiness, truth, wholeness. Aspects of consciousness that reveal itself in this form, what we call a body. It's, It's all God. All God. And when we know this letter of the truth, we understand that God's will is love. God's will is eternal. God's will for our experience of us is immortality. It's infiniteness of God. When we understand this, we are in complete gratitude that the kingdom of heaven is within. And we can see clearly with our eyes closed in this kingdom. Because we realize it's not us that does the work. Release these words into the law, into the created medium. Into the very womb of our soul. It is done. It is done. And so it is. This earth is a wonderful place, and I'm glad all the people take care of it, and I hope as this world gets older, it becomes more peaceful in life, 
and so it is. I want to introduce you now to Reverend Liz. A lot of you probably already know her. Reverend David has known her for 20 years, 28 years. So they are longtime friends. Reverend Liz has been a minister with the Centers for Spiritual Living since 1999, and her ordination ordination was held in 2003. She hails from the Seattle area where she did her ministerial training and raised her two daughters. She then moved to Monterey in 2008 to take the pulpit of the Monterey Center for Spiritual Living. Stepping down from the pulpit at the end of 2013, she decided not to retire, but to rewire. And she's happy to be back in her beloved Pacific Northwest as of this summer. A quote from the Sufi master, Mayor Baba, encapsulates the theme of Liz's ministry. Where love is present, the path to truth is joyous. Please help me welcome Reverend Liz Morante. So it's kind of fun when I saw that Reverend Carrie was up here because she and I actually did the last step to becoming a licensed minister in our movement, which are oral panels. Um, we did them together. And so when I saw she was up here, I went, Carrie? That Carrie? What's she doing up here? She was down in Pomont. So it's so lovely to see her again and be supported. And it's lovely to be with all of you and Really, a few of you know me, but I don't think a lot of you know me. And I'm sorry you all did not get the memo, but a few of us did. If you would stand up, those of you who got the pink and black memo. <laughs> we, sorry. I, I, we, <laughs> the rest of you got the autumn memo, which I clearly did not. <laughs> so we'll just know that all colors go together beautifully in God's world. So I am delighted to be here. As, as Reverend Kerry said, I have known um, Reverend David for quite a while because he was up in Seattle for a long, long time and way before I ever found Science of Mind. So it's been a thrill to welcome him back to the Northwest. And full disclosure, I say Seattle area elsewhere, but I'm actually from Lakewood. <laughs> so... Yeah, this is just down the pike, yeah. Exit 124. <laughs> so that's that. So I know that, um, oh, before I say that, I want to say, hey, peeps, you guys have been doing this wonderful Olympia Center for quite a while now. How many years? 14. Yeah, because I remember when you guys started, and I've come a couple times, but just... Congratulations. You know, it's been a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so I, I'm glad to be here with you. Um, I know this month you've been kind of doing roots. Reverend David said you, uh, I think you did Goldsmith and Emma and Troward and Emerson. So I was trying to think of who to follow that up with and I had been reading a book I'll tell you about later, 
And she kept talking about that she got her inspiration, she's a contemporary person, from Francis Scoville Shin, who wrote The Game of Life and How to Play It. And I said, oh, maybe I'll do that one. And I went downstairs to see if I had, A, brought the book with me, and B, unpacked it. And I had, so I thought, yep, good to go. But it's an interesting thing, uh, the game of life. Um, How many of you have heard, as Reverend David or other teachers said, that often we call um, Emma Curtis Hopkins the Nike woman of religious science? Have you guys heard that? Because she's, she's, it's a Kathy Ann thing. It's it's because she's do it. If you read her book, she says, on Wednesday, take this day for, I can't remember, forgiveness. I mean, she's like, do it. So if Emma is the Nike woman of religious science, um, Francis Scoville Shin is the Reader's Digest (laughs) of religious science. So for some of you who've been trying to get through the textbook, the Science of Mind textbook, this may be your woman. Um, One of her books, this was her first book, she lived in the 20s, and she was an illustrator, and actually for a while was married to an artist, and all of a sudden, in looking Google up, I kind of got distracted on him, (laughs) and then went, no, get back to Francis, but uh, interesting. So they were in the art scene, Um, and she wrote several books, and one that's just a little good reminder is called Your Word is Your Wand. So, yeah, what is it (laughs) that you're bringing into life with your word? One of the things that's a little interesting about her is because it is so digested, she is chock full of tips, and she has examples to back up everything of of people that she saw for spiritual counseling. So we could get lost in, she says, she says, remember this, do this, and remember this, and do this, but I didn't want quite that bullet choppy a talk. So I picked out a few things and really all of them, plus more, read it, there's more, are the spiritual laws that help us be successful in this thing called the game of life. And part of the trick of the game of life that I realized is, as she says, as Greg said in his opening prayer, is, is remembering who we are. Who we are is, however you want to say it, the Christ within, God within. That's the truth of who we are. And the game is that we come down on earth and have kind of forgotten it because it looks like we're all these different people. So that's one of those, I've heard it say that the thing about the game of life is at the end you get what it's about and then you go on to the next thing. So we're now cheating, So, but we're all staying alive for a while. So I told you that I was going to bring in some contemporary folks, and it's interesting. Uh, Science of Mind magazine this month um, had Christiane Northrup, the um, doctor and, and wonderful person on women's health, uh, Goddesses Don't Age, is one of her recent books, although she has a new one out. Um, she studied Francis Scoville Shin, so we got contemporaries here. And then also, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, um, fabulous book that she got inspired by, Francis Scoville Shin. This is called Outrageous Openness, and her name is Tosha Silver. And like I said, I'll be 
keying her into what we're talking about in a little bit. And as you know, also, this is uh, so fun working with the teens and having some of them come up and share their experiences with some of the ideas, because I can only bring up a few of her ideas or tips today. Um, They will be giving you their perspective, too. So, oh, great. And it's 1130. All right. Does anybody have anywhere they have to be at like 1210? I'm thinking we may go a little over. So I'm asking your, I, you know, some people say apologize after, and I blew that. I'm asking your permission beforehand, so. All right, so I'm speeding up. Okay, don't do that, don't do that, don't do <laughs> So the first uh, thing that we want to talk about, and it's, it's really, she mentions it on the very first page of the book as one of the spiritual laws that we use to really do well in this game called life, something you've heard before. It's the art of giving and receiving. Dovetails right with Ernest Holmes, the reciprocal universe. You've heard this. This is just a reminder that what we are to the world, the world will be back to us. We start our day with love. That's what we get more of. We start our day with frustration. Guess what? That's what we get more of. Another name for it is karma. We know that. And she uses the word boomerang. What we say, what we do, boomerangs back. And, you know, the trick is, or the tricky thing is, who's, and who's noticed this, that as you get into this teaching, as you get deeper into spiritual practice, maybe you did this before your teaching, and really get that idea that your words have meaning, your actions have meaning in the boomerang, the boomerang happens a lot faster. Who's experienced that? Yeah, I mean, if, if I... Uh, chastise in my mind a driver who's just done something that is not in the Liz Moranti rule book of proper driving. It is amazing how quickly I find myself doing that or something egregious, sometimes within 20 minutes. So it's very fast, very fast. So we have this world that will respond to us. And in giving and receiving as well, something that we often forget as we're thinking about how we speak, there are those of us who just keep focusing on the giving, which is great. And then when somebody tries to give us something, we're like, oh, no, no, I don't need it. I don't need it. Does anybody know anybody who (laughs) just gives, but they feel like they don't want to or shouldn't receive? Don't raise your hand, but we, we know somebody like that. Well, think about this. Every time you push something off, maybe it's a compliment. Women, we're really good at that, aren't we? Oh, you look great today. I'm the have been. I'm recovering. Great at saying, oh, this, you know, my version of this whole thing, you know. Help in the kitchen. Oh, no, no, it's Thanksgiving, and, you know, I'd rather be the martyr later. Every time we say no to what somebody wants to give us, who are we really saying no to? God. So once God gets the message, hey, this person is not up for receiving, 
Forget about all that other stuff you really want. I mean, you don't. God gives us so many chances. But just think about that. Every time you're tempted in your desire to be the big giver, to not let in receiving. Besides the fact that if you're giving all the time, who likes to give? Who really loves giving? Why would you deny that to someone else? Let them do it too. So, so it's an important thing. Being a cheerful giver, well, generous, gracious giver, and gracious receiver, it just gets. And when I ask who are we receiving from, um, there was a pointing to self. That's true, too. We are always giving and receiving to ourselves everything we do in the world. So it's great. And just a little reminder when we're thinking about, well, what do I give? What do I give? One of my great little sound bites from from Francis was, love takes every trick. She was saying, and pardon my French, love trumps everything. (laughs) So you can't go wrong if what you give is love. Even if if what you do is sit in a corner and just be a space of love, that's a wonderful gift to the world. So now, Ocean, I'd like to invite you up to tell us your perspective on giving and receiving. The concept of giving and receiving is what you put into life, you get out of it. So that means if you give away to other people without expecting something in return, or if you put effort into your life, you can trust that you'll receive the same goodness that you have put out into the world. For example, in nature, there are many different examples of forms of life giving to each other and sharing the benefits. For example, clownfish benefit from the anemones, from the anemones stinging the clownfish's predators. So that's a safe haven for the clownfish. And the clownfish eat pests that harm the anemones and deter other fish that eat the predators, that eat the anemones. So they're both benefiting. In my own life, I work out and stretch regularly, so I get stronger and more flexible as a result, which helps me with dance, civil air patrol, PT tests, and other things. Also, in school, I've been a counselor at Camp Cispus. If you don't know what that is, that's basically where a bunch of high schoolers go to a camp for fifth graders, and the fifth graders get to do all sorts of fun stuff over a weekend, and we get to monitor them and help them have fun and supervise. And I've also been part of the student council at my school, and I've tutored people a little bit in math this year. And I feel good about helping others, and I feel grateful that my talents can mean so much to everyone else, and me sharing those talents with everyone else. Thank you, Ocean. (sighs) Mom must be proud. Hmm. So the next tip item, spiritual law, is one that we don't always talk about because giving and receiving, we, we all knew that, right? Everybody knew that. This is kind of a good one. And Francis calls it the law of non-resistance. 
Who's heard the idea what we resist persists? Yeah, your hand went up before I even said it. Frances is, is, is clear. She says, resistance is hell. Who's been in that? You see it, you know what's going to happen, and you're still resisting. Oh, yeah. But we do it. We get so convinced that the way we figured it out is the way it's supposed to be. I went to a, um, a baby shower recently for somebody I'd known since they were a teen, probably in this movement, and now I think he's 40, and he recently had a baby, and another old friend in this church community, wonderful CSL community, wanted to have a shower for him. Well, his family had already had a shower months before, I understand, but she decided she wanted to have one. She called people and kept kind of hitting barriers, but she was determined to do it because she so wanted to give this to him, which was a great thing, right? Well, there ended up being three of us plus the mom and dad and baby who were an hour late because they had other stuff going on. And, you know, we went through it, but I thought, oh, this is such a blessing because this is such a mirror for me that I keep pushing through when when the universe is trying to tell me, you know, maybe this just isn't quite going to work. Um, and she put a lot of effort into it too. So I just felt like, wow, she did all this. And here we are. And we had a lovely time. We had a lovely time. But it was just, it reminded me of all the times I'm pushing the envelope. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a different way. But first, there's a great solution when something is coming up in your life and you're really resisting it. Often it's change. Is that if you become willing for that thing to happen, And you do your prayer to open and you let go of the resistance and you become willing. Often you will find you don't have to do whatever it is. Your willingness is your worthiness. And it's not that we have to be willing to spirit, but to be open to say, hey, as somebody said, I'd like you to take this cup, but if it's your will... Now, Jesus went the whole way, but as we know, he didn't die. I have a more contemporary, little, slightly less scary example that I think is is more to the point is um, a minister I knew once had somebody that was running for the board, and the minister really did not want that person on the board. Now, even though there's only a couple ministers in this room, I think you can all understand that experience of you don't want to be on a team with that person, whatever. So this minister knew what her work was. So so they prayed and prayed to have this be a wonderful thing, to really release any resistance to having this person be on the board. Got there. It took work, but the minister got there. Guess what happened? The person decided not to run for the board. 
this is how it can work. Now, there's another aspect of that, too. When something happens and it's like, oh, geez, why did this happen? What we do and how Frances talks about it is, is a, I think, a minister she knew that they make a practice of baptizing it. And in other words, naming it. And instead of naming it, why do I always get uh, things I shouldn't, you know, a, a mess? Instead of baptizing it a mess, remember your words, your wand, that even if it's happened, it's there in front of you, that we baptize it as something wonderful can happen. Not to be in denial about if there's cleanup, but we baptize or we name it, more is yet to come, more will be revealed. We can do that with events. And we can do that with people. I, um, one of the classes when I was on the staff uh, in Seattle, I taught the foundations class. And I had somebody say something in a class once and something, some way I came back to him. It didn't work. There's always that moment that, that we are not exquisitely attuned to the person and whatever, they get triggered, feeling got hurt. So I was like, bad minister, bad minister. He came to talk to me later, and I was kind of preparing my, you know, I apologize. And before that, I had prayed that something good would come from this, because my intentions were good, that something good would come from this. And he came to me, well, so he came and talked to me, and I'm receiving him. And then later, at the end of the class, he shared that him being able to come to me and, you know, say what you did, you know, it hurt me or it didn't work for me, and me being able to listen, he said, that so shifted an old issue of his. He's a big bear of a guy, but he just, his experience was his voice wouldn't be heard, so he was always, and so through that, you know, it's, it really goes back to Joseph and the coat of many colors when, okay, here I am, Liz. When, um, when his, his brothers are all brought to him and they realize he's this big guy with the Pharaoh, you know this story in the Bible, and they're all quavering going, oh, shoot, uh, he's going to get us. And Joseph says, yes, you did put me down in the pit, which they did because they were jealous, blah, 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 blah. You meant it for my bad, but God meant it for my good. So when we align with that, when we baptize or bless, really, bless your enemies, bless those events, then what we do in physics terms is from all the field of possibilities of what can unfold from that moment, we collapse that field into something good, into something that will be a blessing. Even if in the moment, or in the year, or in five years, we don't know. And please don't go up to somebody who's looking at a mess and in grief and tell them, hey, it's going to be good real soon. That's for you to know with your stuff, and for you to know for them. 
maybe, maybe not say. But it's a spiritual truth. It's a spiritual truth. And Jesus said, bless your enemies and those who persecute you. And Francis says, every man, or every person will say, because it's the 21st century, every person, every person is a golden link in the chain of my good. Every person, a golden link in the chain of my good. So now I'd like to invite up Zaya to share with us. And she's got a, a flip on this, which is, you'll, it's, which is great. Okay, so I'm talking about going with the flow. And I know that this can be pretty hard for some people because going with the flow is actually a pretty tricky thing. Sometimes we think that we're going with the flow and everything's working out in our life and everything's just fine. And then we come crashing back down and realize that nothing was actually how it seemed and nothing was working out the way we wanted it to. So how does this work? I don't have all the answers, but I can give you an example from my life. So in my story, life was going great. I had really good roles in Nutcracker, two of them. I was really excited for the performance. Rehearsals were going really great. And then some small minor events happened the day of the performance that they weren't that big now that I look back on it, but at the time it ruined my mood, my focus, and my ability to complete the dance properly. And looking back on it, I'm still annoyed that it happened and... (laughs) Like, nobody wants something that they want to go good, go bad. But I realized that I should have let it go, and one bad performance doesn't define me as a dancer. And carrying that with me throughout the rest of the shows of that weekend definitely does not make me become a better dancer. So if I had realized in that moment that I should have gone with the flow, and instead of letting my feelings of frustration or worry get in the way of what I was trying to do, just go with the flow and realize that everything happens for a reason. And everything that happens to us, that we make a decision about whether to let it block us or bog us down, or to just let it go and realize that it does happen for a reason. My things in my example were small, minor things, but if people are dealing with something that's bigger, which a lot of people are, then just remember that there's no mountain that we cannot climb if we are willing to see the path up. So, yeah. Yay, thank you. You know, big or little, what's valuable for us is we've all gone through that thing where we let something that didn't work stay with us, and then it continues to make things work, whereas if we let it go. So thank you. That's such a great example. Because this stuff is about daily. This stuff isn't just about the mountains. It is about the daily. So thank you very much, Zaya. Now, one of our little tests for are we using these spiritual laws, are we using our spiritual practice, is how we stand in life when the stuff comes, when the challenges come. And what Ernest Holmes says, and what Francis remarks too, is Ernest Holmes talks a lot about peace, power, and poise, the three Ps. And poise is that which allows us to stand calmly still without resistance and be ready for what comes in. 
Because if we're freaked out and agitated or we got our dukes up, a lot of times the creative solutions we can't even see because we're like this. I mean, put your hand like this. How much can you receive when your hand's like this? It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. But, but mentally, when we have that, as, as Greg said, that mind of peace and that heart open for love, that poise, then we are ready to see what spirit is bringing to us. When we, one of the things that we say when we teach treatment or our five-step prayer is that you should feel differently at the end of the treatment than you did when you began. In fact, what is that fourth step? Gratitude. And we say, don't go to gratitude until you have painted that picture of what it is you desire, what the treatment's for, till it feels like you have it, right? Till it feels real to you. So that when you finish the treatment, the prayer, and go out in your life, you're not like, oh, God, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? That you are a poise because you are living in answered prayer. And the solution or the prayer, the, the solution to the prayer or the answer is coming as we stand in poise. And so, Sophie, I'd like to invite you up to talk about poise And I acknowledge you because for me, being a teen and poise were not, couldn't even be in the same universe. So, um, Poise reminds me of like having calmness and confidence even when things aren't going your way and you didn't plan for it. And so you sort of just, it's happening. And so an example of poise in my life is when I play goalie for my soccer team. And the other team's offense is coming down and you, and it's just one of them. And like maybe they're fast or something or they like just do something that I wasn't expecting. You can't like freak out and run away because then they'll score. So you just have to be confident and you have to be calm and you have to like get ready and prepare yourself. And just like if you start doing it, you have to go through so that you don't like scare yourself. You just have to do it. Wow. Thank you. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm going to put this down here. Because, um, yeah, I wouldn't think being a goalie and poise could exist in the same universe either. And the thing is, and now I'm going to start bringing up Tosha Silver. This is really, this is such a great book is that she does this game, and she talks about something like, wow, how can I be calm and still and ready when people are running down the goal at me, you know, going to shoot at my head or shoot, you know, how can I be poised? Well, you can't. How can I buy a house in Seattle, in West Seattle, and not get into a bidding war that's going to escalate the price Many thousands of dollars. Well, we can't. Oh, you can't have, uh, you, you can't at 60 remake your life and have it be great, you know, because you're too old and nobody will hire, blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't. And um, Tosha, taking her cue from Francis, says, every naysayer 
either that comes up in her counseling or to her directly, she adds when they say, you can't, she puts an addition without God, or you can say without spirit or without the whole enchilada brother, however you want to call it. (laughs) But that's how we do it. And that's finally what I'd like to try to close you with is this idea that is at the heart and the foundation of everything that Francis Kovalshin writes about and that Tosha Silver writes about in her fabulous book is to do everything with God and recognize the power of when we call in spirit for everything that goes on in our lives, that that's when the magic happens. Some of us grew up being really competent. I was really smart in school. I was really good. I think on my feet. And that can be a backfire because it takes a really long time till we, life has to knock us to our knees before we invite spirit in. I can do this. Wait, wait, you hold on, God. I, I can do this. It all works better with God. It does. And oh, I had a thought there. Do, do, do. So we, we stop relying on ourselves, on our small s self, and bring God in. And I know what I was just going to say is, you know, sometimes we think, oh, well, this is little I can handle. I'll wait and bring God in on the big stuff. Who has this kind of conversation go in their mind? It's as if, this is what I tell a lot of times people that I teach and counsel, it's as if we're operating from those folk tales of you get three wishes and you've used them up, you've done three treatments, that's it, God's done. No, no. No, not the truth. God is inexhaustible. We cannot exhaust, we cannot wear down spirit. It's infinite. Remember that word? It's infinite. And Tosha Silver's book, Outrageous Openness, is because everything in her life, she offers up to spirit. She has 5,000 names. It's very fun. Um, So everything that we do, that we face, whether it's, my drive back to Seattle on a Sunday from Olympia. I remember it took us an hour just to get back to my dad's. <laughs> like, um, is to invite in spirit. To offer up what is in front of us to spirit. To get its guidance on anything, whether you call it big or little. Tosha has a great example of a woman who lives, she lives in the Bay Area. I'm going to be speed up here. Uh, a woman in the Bay Area who really wanted a relationship with a man, and she was living in San Francisco, and she said, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Everyone's married or they're gay. It's not going to happen. I'm going to move to Alaska because there's a lot of, you know, because the, the uh, percentage, you know, the, lots, lots of guys there. It'll be good. And Tosha was saying, no, are you kidding? Just ask spirit to bring you your right person. Not fixate on a person. Remember that. No outlining. If you've done your treatment. Let spirit bring you to the right person, the right thing. And she moved to Alaska. She hated it. It was beautiful, but she hated it. She finally did meet a guy in Alaska who had lived 10 blocks from her 
in the Mission District in San Francisco. She met him in Alaska. So we offer up to spirit instead of always thinking we got to figure this out. We offer it up and say, I am taking your guidance. And then don't rush in and wait for the next step. And bring spirit into everything. Then that's how we succeed in that game of life. This is all about, it's all a conspiracy. See, it's a conspiracy for God to get us to turn to it because it so longs to have a relationship with us that the more we turn to it, we find it already waiting to say, my beloved, what can I give? What can I do for you? How can I direct you down pathways of peace, prosperity, and good? And love. There's so much more I could say, and I'll leave you with that. And so it is. Blessings. Offer up.